What's up, Fight Fan? You are listening to MMA Daily, the podcast where we bring you the latest in the world of mixed martial arts. It is Tuesday, November 21st, 2023, and this week's episode, the PFL wins 2023. Yes, I said it. We are going to be talking by recapping the last Bellator event of the old regime, Bellator 301, and the titles that changed hands. We'll talk about UFC Vegas 82, Brendan Allen with a great victory over Paul Craig. And we'll talk about MMA news. PFL announces the official acquisition of Bellator and what that means for the future. And we'll talk about it by previewing this Friday's event, the PFL World Championships. My name is Gabriel Gonzalez, and I'm here with my co-host, Natalie Zamudio. Double G, you're making a bold declaration saying that PFL has already won the year before the year's over. It makes me think of when I accidentally cross off future dates on my calendar, you know, before I get to them. And I think, oh, my goodness, did I just jinx myself? I don't know, man. (laughs) I mean, here's the thing. UFC still had a great year. But when you talk about landscape moving power moves, yeah, I think PFL got the job done. And not to say UFC had a bad year. UFC did fantastic. I mean, look at how much stuff we got. But can I tell you that they, like, Whoa, like that was OMG, like groundbreaking. More of those just went to PFL. Sorry, not sorry. That's true. I mean, UFC was pretty much same business as usual, which for them is exciting and, and right. entertaining, right? Business as usual for UFC is still dominating the landscape, mind right. you. Right, of course. But yeah. it's like sometimes business as usual sometimes can feel a little, you know, repetitive, right? And PFL was definitely not business as usual this year. And they and they're going to even if every fight is a dud on Friday, they still put an exclamation point with uh, yesterday's uh, big announcement. You know what I mean? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, look, I really want to get into it, but let's give the guys their due. Um, Bellator 301 in Chicago, essentially the final Bellator event of the old regime. What that means for the future, we'll get into. I want to get the fighters their due. Start with Jason Jackson. Yaroslav Amosov, the hero of the Ukraine, amazing win streak, had really run through a lot of that competition over in Bellator. And really, Jason Jackson, he, he was a good contender. If you haven't been following, he'd been working his way up. But I think that even most pundits would have said, yo, it's... Amosov might be the best. He might be a top five guy in UFC behind his grappling, behind his consistency. And Jason Jackson really executed a beautiful game plan, defended takedowns, found his spots on the feet, really just composure and, once again, execution. Found his spots, defended um, the best weapon of Amosov, which is those takedowns and grappling. Very impressed. Amazing hips to stay on the feet. Really good. Punctuates it with a sick finish. It looked like Amosov kind of hurt his back. Just found himself in a bad position. And, you know, Jackson just really kind of put his weight on him and led to the injury. Fact is, Jason Jackson completes Bellator's uh, run by becoming the new welterweight champion. What were your thoughts? It was a great win. It's very surprising. I didn't, you know, I wasn't too familiar with Jason Jackson. So all we mostly talk about is Amosov. So I was expecting just domination and well, look what we got. So it's one of those things where 
you know, a surprise victory from an underdog, it's always a big deal. It's always exciting. But when you put it under this spotlight of Bellator 301, considering, you know, what news came the days after, you got to be pretty pumped if you're Jason Jackson. I mean, I also want to point out Jackson on his way to the title defeated former champion Douglas Lima, beat guys like Paul Daly, uh, Naaman Gracie, who's obviously been a longtime contender in Bellator. So this is a guy who's been putting in work, and I kind of like that it happened this way. Like, he kind of, he wins the title, and now there's a new, uh, you know, just a new field of talent that he could take on. He doesn't have, quote, unfinished business with the Bellator guys, so to speak. You know, he kind of beat the top guys on the way to the belt. Not to say that some of them, you know, didn't fall through the cracks on his run, but you kind of feel like, okay, you know, I did what I needed to in Bellator, and now I get to do this. So it's a great thing for Jackson. I'm not even going to get into the usual what's next. We could talk about that in a couple minutes. Um, Sergio Pettis, Patchy Mix. This one... I, a lot of people, I think, felt the momentum behind Patchy, the way he took out Rafael Stotts compared to Sergio needing to go the distance with Patricio Pitbull, for example. I think there's something to be said of a uh, new kid on the block feeling for Patchy. You know, he's the guy who won a belt this year. Sergio, we've been familiar with. Yeah. Um, And then Patchy really goes out there, Found himself, he got to those positions where he could really use his size. It looked like, you know, a, a featherweight taking on a bantamweight when they were in the cage bit. It did, yeah. And really credit to Patchy, gets the fight to the mat, and that's where his, one, his amazing grappling, but two, his size. You could tell it was, you know, just more of a challenge for Sergio, defend and try to get out of these positions and then Patchy just kind of methodically broke him down. They get to the mat again in the second round. And I got to say, Patchy, just the way he tied him up, I mean, it was like a freaking spider with the grasshopper in the web or something. Just like all the limbs are tied up. And Sergio, you could tell he's just like, damn, like, he, you know, like there's no Volkanovsky going to pull it out of the hat out of this one. I am. I'm cooked. Yeah. And, and credit to him. No shame in it. Patchy's been on a great year. Lived to fight another day. Didn't try to gut it out. Um, you know, Patchy gets the submission in round two. Um, beautiful victory. I know fighter of the year is going to go to a guy like Mahachev or Strickland in UFC. Patchy has had a career. It's like a fighter of the year type 12 months. Yeah. The way he took out Rafion, The way he took out Pettis. Like I said, I know it's going to most likely go to one of the UFC guys. I low-key would have liked one more fight for Patchy to really cement it. But when you talk about the momentum and the way he took out these two guys on the run that those two guys were, nothing short of awesome. Best Bantamweight, not in the UFC. Bantamweight, you feel, could probably kick some butt in the UFC right now, even as competitive as they are. Yeah. Just great performance. What about you? Yeah, definitely. I was surprised. I mean, I picked Pettis, you picked Patchy Mix, so you knew you could see the writing on the wall there. Um, and yeah, the size difference was pretty vast, but still, you know, that that didn't mean that Pettis didn't have a chance, but Patchy Mix was just, he was on fire. And it's one of those moments or one of those runs where you, the fighter will not be denied. It's like you see it, you saw it with Volkanovsky. 
Um, and yeah, Mahachev and, and uh, Strickland surprisingly <laughs> also will not be denied. But um, you know, you're just on fire. Everything's clicking, and you're just standing at the end of a conveyor belt, and they're feeding you the best, and you're dispatching them. So very impressed, very surprised. Similar reaction for him regarding this big news with PFL. You know, probably feeling like this is a great time to to have you know submitted handily a big name in the business. Yeah, and um, I, I mean, I talked about it. The winner of this one, you essentially kind of say you are the man to beat going forward uh, when the merger happens. And I would have even argued, I don't. We now obviously know, but had his contract been up. I could have seen PFL and UFC get into a bit of a bidding war for a guy like Patchy. I mean, young, you know, he's, I believe, is still on the good side of 30, on this great run, really popular. I mean, it, it like, appeals to everyone. Um, I feel like I see a lot of fans, just male and female, really like his whole relationship with Tatiana Suarez. It's like, you know, he's got so many facets that it's like future star right here. Let's Let's just say like it is. Um, I'm, how do I want to break this down? It's such a weird week because we have such groundbreaking news that I think is pertinent. I'm going to push UFC stuff till after we talk about the merger. I want to take a moment to talk about what happened with Bellator. By the way, Rafion Stotts beating Danny Sabatello. Sabatello is no joke, neither is Stotts. And for Stotts to get this one again over Danny after they had that close fire rounder last year. Impressive. AJ McKee bloodies up Sydney Outlaw. Um, didn't get the finish, but still, you know, just clearly did the damage. I know the fans, I don't know if it was almost too dominant. It felt like you should have gotten him out of there. But the fact is, AJ McKee got that victory. It was overall a good night for quote-unquote Bellator's last night. You know what I mean? Did you have yeah. anything more to add? No, it was, yes. Um, the feeling that I had was, you know, when you are retiring, everyone knows it or thinks you might be retiring and you have a fight, your last fight, you want to go out on a win, right? Think about Robbie Lawler, who got to have a spectacular last fight. And then other people like Jorge Masvidal who, and Cowboy Cerrone, who don't get to have a great last fight, but still the career was awesome. That's kind of how I felt about this event, 301, like the, the last fight. The last card was great. You had some great wins for important fighters, knockouts, submissions. And and then you can also simultaneously look back at the promotion and say, wow, that you know, that was a great run. Of course, it's not over, but it's going to be modified. So looking at it from that perspective, it was definitely a great night. Yeah, I think it was just um it kinda it had that synergy, right? People mm -hmm. talk about this sometimes all of the elements outside of it just enhance what you're watching. You knew it was Bellator's last night. There was a melancholy from the commentator booth, everyone involved. Um, like I said, a lot of the guys and girls perform well. Um, it, it, it just kind of all came together that way. And I think it just made for a, quote, memorable night. It's kind of like, well, if it goes out, we went out with a really spectacular night of mixed martial arts so i was happy for in general it's like it would kind of suck if all of the fights just kind of you know 
we lay and pray and people lay an egg and it's like, oh, you know, like, well, this is why they went out of business. No, they kind of got to go out on their terms. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so I like that. Um, I want to just kind of one more one last time acknowledge the great work that Bellator's done. You think about the opportunities they've given people across the board and for the veterans, Liz Carmuch and Chris Cyborg, you know, it didn't work out anymore in UFC, but you're still an elite level fighter and you got a chance to be respected and kind of essentially have a second life post UFC. It wasn't just, well, the UFC thing is over and now that's just it, right? Mm -hmm. They got to be respected and get paid and have fights and be competitive and show they st what they still had in the tank. That's amazing. For these top prospects like AJ McKee, uh, Alimale McFarlane, Sumiko Inaba, Tyrell Fortune, Aaron Pico, um, all these young up-and-comers, JJ Wilson, and essentially be built from the ground up. Uh, that's been amazing because obviously, you know, you get a chance to really make a statement rather than kind of toil away on the regional scene and then you get contender series and maybe stardom. The fact that they got to build and develop in a place like Bellator, beautiful. Uh, the opportunities, I've seen media members be able to transition to try some stuff behind the scenes through Bellator um, and, you know, kind of be in that part of the business. Obviously, guys like Josh Thompson and Big John and even Chael get to transition from fighter or analyst to actually do play-by-play -play and commentary yeah. um, where previously you maybe didn't think that they would get that opportunity that's been amazing um, as a reporter as a media member the amount of people who I know Bellator was their first time getting access to elite talent to interview and talk to um, Bellator events being the first live events that media members got to cover and got to get that experience and really know what it's like and kind of cut their teeth, so to speak, at a Bellator. Look, and I'll be quite blunt. The UFC gets so many requests, they don't have room for everybody. It's a very competitive room to get into. Yeah. Especially nowadays, anyone with an Instagram and an iPhone could just screen record and post stuff and it gets a ton of views. Yeah. It's very hard to still have those things. And Bellator was a platform and a place where a lot of media members could kind of separate themselves from the, you know, fan, blog, vlog, media to actual, hey, part of the business contributing to the telling of the story, so to speak. You know what I mean? Yeah, for all sure. Of, all of this, all of this, in a sense, goes away. Not that PFL won't develop people, not that they're... Uh, there will be something new eventually. There always is. But Bellator has been such a consistent part of the landscape. Um, I, I just want to acknowledge that, that while we get something new, this now goes away. And I understand why a lot of people are sad about it for myself. I went from having three companies to cover in the U.S. to two. Yeah, That yeah. isn't always a good feeling as someone who makes money on having more of these out there, not less. Yep. So I acknowledge that. I know business is changing, but I just want to, you know, if this is the Bellator, the last time to give the quote Bellator eulogy, I just want to give it its due. Um, what about yourself? Obviously, you and I have a relationship through Bellator. So 
what what would you like to say yeah that's 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 how we met double g and um we've talked about it already but yeah that was the opening i wouldn't have been able to do this podcast with you for the last couple of years if it wasn't for the opportunity that bellator um gave me by allowing me to just be there and yeah actually allowing me to interview fighters like leoto machida like i still can't believe that that happened so um it's similar to you know what the promotion was for fighters in, in some regard you know it most of them at the top wouldn't necessarily say that they wanted to, you know, also fight for the UFC because, you know, you, you dance with the one that brung you, but let's not pretend being able that Michael Chandler wasn't, you know, thrilled and, and to be able to move up to the UFC, right? That was a game-changing opportunity for him. So the opportunity Bellator provided for us on the, you know, on the microphone camera side was also something that they provided for fighters in the cage. So... However, this new version actually comes to to whatever shape it comes to take, um, we know that it, it will no longer be what it was here in the U.S. And, and you bring up a great point, which is for someone like you and other folks that are covering MMA every single day, yeah, the, the media room just got a little bit more... Uh, <laughs> more uh, you know crowded right because now they're all going to be vying for spaces in just two promotions versus having it spread out a little bit over three so um there is a a definite shift there's a big um change but let's see how it shakes out um and the good news is according to what i've been hearing from the pfl boss is that you know, they're looking to, at least on the office side, well, actually, on, on both fronts, fighter and, and staff side, to transfer everybody over to this new um, uh, regime. I mean, they're calling it, yeah, I mean, like, uh, it's it's part of PFL Incorporated, right? PFL Inc. Yeah. Um, so they're transfer, they want to bring everybody over and then, you know, just sort of shift the pieces around depending on who fits better where. On the fighter side and on the staff side, I guess it's a matter of doing the same. Do we have opportunities for you in the same division, the same department, in the same job title, or do you have to be willing to modify? And, you know, I like the fact that they're willing to take everybody over from the gate. You know, that's very surprising. Yeah, and I think it gives the option to a lot of people. Um, I'm sure there are some that are more or less looking forward to... Um, look, uh, the roster is now at robustly expanded, right? And so you need more people to kind of manage that many personalities and, you know, just just people, you know? Yeah. So I think that provides that for them. Um, this idea of Bellator being its own little brand for a while and maybe just being able to stay there and grant some stability and familiarity to the athletes you've grown with, I'm sure is an opportunity some of them are also looking to take. Um, I know a bunch of these people just as you do. I don't want to speak for them on who should do what and all that. There's one guy I want to acknowledge, and that's Scott Coker who's been, um, you know, we notice him more because he's been silent, right? These last yeah. few days. I, Scott Coker it, was in a position where, and we talked about it, 
he didn't own Bellator like he owned Strikeforce. So a lot of those ultimate decisions, move to a network and all that, he may have suggestions. Viacom Incorporated makes decisions, not the other way around. Mm. I think Dana White, for example, has a little more pull to say to Endeavor, for example, if ESPN, for example, wasn't working out, Dana White has a little more say than Scott Coker did with Bellator. Gotcha. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, I'm sure he, there's a lot of mixed feelings. I think if I was in charge of the company, there's a little bit of a feeling like, well, I, I can imagine how I would feel. It kind of feels like, how did I let it get to this point, even if it's not always my call? Yeah. But Scott Coker... I've had so many people tell me how great a boss he is. I just want to give him that due. If this is it for him, if he's looking to do something else, um, he's earned the right. I've heard other people, he's earned his flowers for life. I agree with that. I've never heard people say a bad thing about working with Mr. Coker. If anything, look at Dylan Dennis. I think he gives maybe a couple too many opportunities. I mean, that boy freaking wanted to fight everybody but a Bellator fighter when he's under contract. (laughs) And Scott Coker was so nice about it. And he's never even said a bad thing about Dylan Dennis. And part of me almost feels like he should have. (laughs) (laughs) That's the kind of boss Scott Coker is. I want to give him that due. Um, Natalie, real quick, uh, how did we get here with Bellator? Kind of like a lesson for the future. I want before we talk about the merger because we'll probably focus on that for a while, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, I think I'll always say it moving behind a paywall, the MMA business as a whole, fans getting fans to open their wallet. I mean, when you think about it, if you have cable, you get access to so many. If you're a basketball fan, so much NBA, football, not just NFL, XFL is on cable, uh, baseball. Um, freaking Major League Soccer, n- not even just MLS, freaking, yeah, uh, what League is it, and... UEFA and yeah. all this, wherever, you know, Premier League, Champions League, La Liga, La all Liga. this, Bundesliga, whatever they are. <laughs> if you have cable, like, I think I have a relatively, I don't have premium, I have a middle of, the, middle of the road cable, and I could tell you I have a bunch of channels for a lot of sports that are all accessible. MMA is one of the few sports for the top talent. You have to crack open your wallet for additional, to, to access it, to access additional content, pay-per-views, the champions, you know. These guys don't fight on regular ESPN. They fight on pay-per-view, 85 bucks every month. To ask the consumer to spend additional money outside of the UFC product, which, let's be real, is seen as the top, the king. That's always been the Grand Canyon to leap for everybody. Bellator tried it with a pay-per-view. It didn't go well. They didn't discuss that plan ever again. PFL last year, we had this talk. Fans weren't down with it in general, but especially on Black Friday. Little things like that, I get it. It's a very big one. And I think that when Bellator, they went to DAZN and they were a big part of rolling DAZN out at the beginning. I think that there was something to be said. Fans maybe liked that there was elite talent like Canelo on DAZN. Fans didn't feel the same way about the Bellator talent in MMA. So essentially, if you like DAZN enough for boxing, 
you took Bellator. But if you didn't and you weren't down with it, uh, Die Hard Boxing to have that subscription, Bellator fell by the wayside. I'll tell you right now, I really didn't like, you know, in the age of the streaming wars, the top fighters weren't on Paramount Plus Spike TV anymore. Now they were behind a paywall. Yep. And then they moved, you know, they did a little bit of the CBS Sports Network that kind of began and ended in six months. Then <laughs> Showtime, I'll say it right now, if you have premium cable, you had it. I don't. I know a lot of people don't. You're back behind a paywall again. Suddenly it's not fun again. I think that is something that hurt it. Um, the little things, some things they're in their control, a lot of them not. You build up these things like the Grand Prix and then Corey Anderson headbutts Vadim. Then it's like little stuff like that happens. Um, negotiations, it takes long for some fights to happen. That in general builds, the, you know, brings down interest over time for a non-UFC product. Um, the posters, you know, that was a little, a bit of a thing. It kind of felt like so repetitive and I think that starts to accumulate. Um, little things like that happen. I've talked a lot about the good things they've done. They've killed it in Europe. I think that's a great part, but that's just how I feel. Like, how do we get to this point? All these little things added up. It wasn't just one thing, but all these things, when they start to add up, that can make the consumer start to lose interest, especially when you get UFC in the same place every week, every month. Yeah, exactly. What about you? What do you feel was the straw that broke the Bellator back? I think it, it does go to the, the distribution, to accessibility of watching. You know, yeah, when it was on zone, I was excited and I was able to tune in. The price point initially was $9.99 a month. When it moved up to $19.99 a month and Canelo wasn't fighting that often and then at some point that deal ended and, you know, now the Bellator fights are, they're not as frequent as UFC fight cards just like, okay, that's a lot of money, $20, that's a lot of money to just try and watch a Bellator fight every once in a while because I was not interested in the soccer and all the other, and cricket and all the other amazing sports that I just um, don't watch regularly. So that was a big one. It, it was easier when it was on Paramount Plus, um, or Paramount, I should say. When I think it moved, they were also on Paramount Plus, ironically. Yeah, yeah. I just don't think they made an impact on that platform. Yeah, and, and you know, that was this last year or maybe in two years, the streaming world itself has been, you know, imploding on itself, right? Um, HBO Max became Max, and then Discovery got dissolved, got absorbed by HBO. Like, everything was shifting so rapidly. You just set it up an, an account here, and now it's, no longer valid now you have to go through this other point so we were overwhelmed there was fatigue streaming fatigue Bellator got lost in the mix because even though they were on showtime yeah it's a premium channel something about their at least for me and i'm gonna you know assume that it was probably the case for lots of people too when you try to log in on your tv uh, all the other apps kept you logged in except for showtime so every time I tuned in to watch um, Bellator, I had to log in again. And of course, you know, one account is under my name, one account's under my husband's name. It it was a first world problem that was just about enough to make me say, oh, all right, I'll try again later. And the, then li the little things add up. 
yeah, man, little things add up for sure. So, and then that's just on the screen, like, you know, accessibility, right? Then the things we talked about also marketing, the posters, look at the PFL poster for this week. It's really cool. They're not, you know, groundbreaking design here, but it's different enough. It's not just a, you know, a, a picture of a sweaty dude in gloves. Some effort went into it, some, you know, thoughtfulness. And so that was something we weren't seeing anymore with, with Bellator. So, yeah, little things adding up, adding up against a company like UFC that's, as we said at the top of the show, business as usual for them is, holy moly, you know, really, really awesome elite stuff. Then you have PFL trying to innovate over here making waves so ufc's at the top being awesome pfl's innovating and bellator is not doing any of that stuff so you know that's what happened and and the streaming thing probably was the the main nail in the coffin because it was just too chaotic man they moved around way too much in the last few years when everyone else had one place where you could go they had like five and and that's just that's just like any 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 show any programming where your schedule gets moved around or your point of access gets moved around that much is going to suffer yeah i'd like i brought it up these things added up um for sure i think of the consumer who i i heard don davis mention this ufc has done a job and dana white in particular they know they are the NFL of MMA. And as great as the talent is in Bellator and PFL in the afflictions and strike force over the years, behind the scenes, they knew what talent was over there. But publicly, they always tried to make a push to make it seem like the other leagues are the XFL. Their arena football. Yeah, yeah. Uh, listen to Dana White. He would make you believe that the Bellators of the world, if you're watching that, you're watching amateur MMA, I'm the pro league, which is obviously not the case. But Dana White would never go out of his way to educate you on the difference. No. Because that would, you know, not be the best interest of his brand, which I can't tell you that I would be different if I were running the show. But once again, this is business, right? And the dynamics of business and politics in that way, the business politics, let me say it that way. And I think that, you know, once again, when you move all of this for a product that the average consumer who doesn't follow MMA junkie and subscribes to ESPN MMA and all this MMA fighting, SB, SB Nation, all that, let's be real. If you're just there to get your top, your MMA fix every so often, you don't really care about what's going on with Bellator and all that. Right. I'll tell you right now, I'm not a pro wrestling guy. I know there's something going on with the AEW rivalry with WWE. <laughs> I've never watched a video about it. I couldn't care less. Uh, you know, like, I, I just, it's like, if I want to watch it, I will. If I don't, I don't. I barely have ever seen WWE. Um, AEW, couldn't tell you I've ever cared to watch it. That's That's just me. <laughs> and I think many people feel the same way about UFC. Oh, I've seen that. I haven't disliked it when I've watched it. Uh, well, what about the Bellator? Oh, I didn't like it that much to go pursue it. There's a ton of MMA fans who feel that way about the UFC brand and product. 
as opposed to the rest of MMA. And that's completely fine. It's that way for a lot of things. Movies, other sports, other music, entertainment. I like rap, but I tend to only like, quote-unquote, these guys rap, not those. I get it. And I think, but the fact is, where do we get to this point in Bellator and our business? All those things added up. And that they added up when the fan base feels, quote-unquote, this way. You know what I mean? About yeah. the MMA in general. And here we are. Now, we've talked a lot about how we got to today. Tomorrow is a new day, isn't it? Mm -hmm. So we announced it, you know, yesterday. It dominated uh, essentially our the Twitterverse of MMA. Um, the PFL officially announces their merger, or not merger, but acquisition of Bellator. And let's hit the main points. Bellator will continue as the, quote, reimagined Bellator International Champions Series. Now, what does that mean? Per Don Davis, essentially, there's going to be a portion of the Bellator roster that continues to fight under the Bellator brand. Now, he said, as of right now, there are no plans to expand the PFL's weight classes. What does that mean? Yeah. Men's Bantamweight, women's Flyweight, men's Middleweight. Those divisions are not going to be seen in PFL mainline next year. There may be showcase fights. And he did say, hey, you probably could see Johnny Eblen, Patchy Mix on the the same way we're seeing Kayla Harrison this Friday. You know, showcase bout, not necessarily a tournament bout, anything like that. I think that's great for them. But essentially said the door is open. We could still have talent that will essentially be Bellator and they have a place to fight. They will have a a platform, so to speak. Secondly, all the Bellator athletes are immediately available for PFL. Which means to say, Patchy Mix, Chris Cyborg, AJ McKee, Usman Magomedov. If PFL has a spot for them where they want to use them to bolster a card, they have them. There's no negotiation. There's no gray area. The Bellator contracts are now in PFL's hands. That's a big one. And then finally, and this one is kind of like the easy one, even though it will probably be the most exciting one. Next year, the target is early 2024. There will be a PFL versus Bellator champion versus champion event. Health permitting. If people get into a war on Friday, they probably won't fight in February. They'll have to push it back. Yeah. Natalie. <laughs> it's a new day in MMA. What are your thoughts? What's your reaction? Yeah, right off the bat, hearing Don Davis lay all this out, on I listened to him on the MMA Hour. I was very impressed. I hadn't heard him speak before, so first impressions were he sounds intelligent, he sounds confident, he knows the business is the sense I got, his own business, he knows the UFC business, he knows the MMA business. And it's interesting that he wasn't a fight guy. Right. Like he was, a, as he says, a, a business guy, entrepreneur. He built companies. He tried to be innovative. And so that word innovative, I think it's pretty clear. You see that through PFL. You see that with what's happening um, potentially with this Bellator acquisition. So I'm very excited. Shaking things up here. Right. I also liked when he kind of burned Dana White a little bit saying, well, we all know that he doesn't talk about you if he's not worried, unless he's worried about you. He didn't talk about us for four years. Now he's talking about us a lot. So, and he's right. <laughs> uh, in any case, 
all Bellator fighters being able to fight on any um, arm of the PFL fight or PFL franchise, I like that a lot. He said they're going to talk to fighters and managers to decide where they want to go. What I'm curious about is what's the flexibility there? Do you make the decision to do one and that's it? You're stuck there for a term as a contract created and that's it? Or can you go feel it out back and forth, you know, however your body permits you to do? Uh, so we'll see. I don't think he was clear on that, but maybe I missed it. Um, like, you know, do they have to just pick a place and stick there? The Also, the thing about the International Champion Series, which was interesting and exciting, you know, to go out and call some a series a champion series, he says every card, and there'll be eight per year, will have two belts on the line per card. That's a pretty big deal, guaranteed, right? For UFC, sometimes you get three, sometimes you get two, sometimes you just get one. Um, but usually your pay-per-views are guaranteed to have a belt on the line. So I like this. This is this is good competition here. What matters more though is you know, the value of the belts that are on the line, the value of the fighters, right? Are they going to be exciting enough to get us to tune in? Now, PFL versus Bellator, that one I wasn't too crazy about because it's kind of like, you know, promotion versus promotion makes sense, Bellator, Ryzen. But when you're all part of the same group and now you're fighting against each other, how much value is there in that when... You know, on one side, you're, you're sort of touting this as a cool option, a cool, fun thing. But on the other side, you're counting the Bellator fighters as part of your revised rankings. And then you're going to pit them against PFL. I don't know. I thought that was a little strange, but we'll see how it shakes out. Also very surprised to learn that Bellator was running this ship with 21 people on staff, according to Don Davis anyway. That's a pretty small number, man. That's lean. And it's impressive. And, I'm, I'm sorry, trying to think of how many people I actually see. And versus, for example, when I go to the UFC Apex, mm-hmm. I've been, for example, sometimes people move positions and now they're like new to me. Yeah. But I've asked people, how long were you with UFC? And um, there's one particular guy. Uh, I don't want to out him because it's like, you know, suddenly it's a whole thing. But um, yeah. nice dude. Uh, very friendly with him. I like his whole vibe. And it's like, wait, you've been with UFC? What department were you in? Then he's like, oh, well, I was over there and all that. And it's like, so I never would have actually ran into him. Mm. He was in another part of the building in the office doing other stuff. And then now it's like, oh, well, I got transferred over here at the communications and PR. And then it's like, oh, now you're with us all the time. There's a ton of people in Bellator. I don't know who designs the shirts and all that. Right, they may yeah. be walking around, but it's like, I realize, let's be real. You never have a reason to be in the media room. True that. So, yeah. there's, you know, for all I know, you could be around in some other room the whole night and I just never see you. So I think that's a big part of the whole 21 people. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, I do. I definitely do. And I'm just surprised that, look, man, when I think about TV, putting on a TV show, putting on a fight, I, I just imagine that it takes hundreds of people. I don't know why. So 21 is lean to me, and, and so I'm very surprised that they could do such, you know, big things with that small staff. PFL, he says, is 50. That's also, to me, pretty lean. UFC, what are they at, like 300, I think, 200? I can't remember what Dana White has last mentioned, but, you know, I'm just surprised by how much they're getting done with such a small staff. So 
it, it does make sense why with this growth, Don Davis wants to keep everybody on board initially, at least to find places for them. You're going to need people to get these ambitious projects running off the ground. So all in all, like top level reaction is I'm excited. I'm impressed. I'm pleased. And, you know, digging a little deeper, every aspect of this on paper coming out of his voice sounds interesting, sounds excited. I feel this like rush of energy towards, you know, watching more PFL content now. Um, but, you know, we'll see, right? Because it, it does come down to who's actually fighting whom, who? I don't know what the correct grammar is there. Um, as far as the divisions where they can do matchmaking and then in the tournament system, that's probably the one I'm most excited about if the Bellator fighters want to, like the big name Bellator fighters want to be a part of that. Based on how Anthony Pettis and some other folks have reacted to that tournament system, do you who do you think from the current Bellator roster is going to be interested in that tournament system versus, you know, pay-per-view super fight stuff? Um, I think a lot of the fighters on the lower end uh, love the idea of the tournament system. I think that, um, you know, if you were an up-and-comer and you weren't exactly in title contention, this idea of winning you know, four fights and making a million dollars in one year sounds immediately appealing, right? Yeah. Just the same way it is to, you know, the up-and-comers in PFL right now. Um, some of the vets that already command a lot, uh, Chris Cyborg will never fight a season. Of she, course She's on yeah. a long-term contract that PFL absorbed, and now they are going to have to honor every fight. So she's not going to do a tournament. The vets aren't going to want to do a tournament. I think there's a little bit of a the grind and everything else. Also, with the acquisition of the roster, remember, each division is now going to expand, you know, significantly. And so this idea of going into a PFL tournament as big fish, small pond, that lowers exponentially. Mm-hmm. That It is not as easy to get to the million as it was two years ago let's yeah, be real right um there are some guys i would have said in ufc should have really been jumping on the pfl opportunity because i feel like you know what you're a guy who probably could make an immediate impact that lowers a lot after monday now mind you like i said some of the younger guys and girls pretty sure they love it um uh oh my gosh i think it's sarah collins uh female featherweight uh, she was like 6-0, and probably would have had a lot of work to get to a Chris Cyborg. Now, jump right in, four fights. Not only are you a champion, but you're making a payday. People like that, they really want to be, you know, in a tournament, if you ask me. Um, particularly if you were performing really well leading up to it. So I think that's the first thing. Um, once again, you know, uh, I'm not going to talk about Bellator staff. That's obviously their decision, but... I'm sure there's a lot of choices to be made. Not only what do you want for your, you know, for MMA, but your life and career, you know. They had a lot of events in the United States. If you're with Bellator, there's a lot less events now in the United States. That's a decision everyone has to make individually. Um, Being part of the PFL brand and not necessarily probably a little bit lower on the totem pole, 
that's a whole thing. Other people are going to decide what they want to do, right? So that's that one. I want to talk about uh, the good. I think that um, this idea of being part of uh, the facelift of PFL, uh-huh. I think it's huge for all these men and women. You know, Vadim Nemkov benefits a lot. Usman, AJ McKee benefit a lot. Um, people like that, obviously, the opportunities to see Cyborg versus Harrison, Cyborg versus Pacheco, all of that really takes off now obviously yeah, finally right yeah there's a lot of great fights that are going to be made soon and i'm looking forward to all of them as a fan honestly um exactly where do we go with guys like patchy and johnny i like to believe that one they're getting paid but two keep doing your thing and either they will build it for you or you will be able to make your way to a ufc So let's say, look, there's a lot of value in a guy like Johnny and Patchy right now, right? If PFL sees that, they could say, hey, we're going to open up a 185 division. And maybe the next year, 205 is the one that's only on pay-per-view. Let's say, hypothetically. Perfect. Let's go, Johnny. Let's go, Patchy. There's talent out there at Bantamweight. We've established this, right? I think that that's great. We could do something like that. Um, Or... They only have so many fights under their contract, and then it's free agency, right? Negotiation. Maybe UFC comes calling. Maybe one comes calling. But I do think that short-term, it may not feel the best if PFL said they don't have your weight class. You still have a home. You're still getting a paycheck. Keep doing your thing, and they will build it, or you will just raise your value eventually, right? And I think that's the good for them on that side, People still have jobs. Fighters are not getting cut today. Now, I'm trying to think of anything else. Look, the matchups will be for the unifier. I appreciated that Don didn't say everything's going to be pay-per-view in 24. Yeah. As a fan, I kind of like that. I think that the consumers will like that. PFL is going to go off. You know, Jake Paul, I guess Jake Paul is going to be late 2024 in PFL. That feels like a long wait to stay excited, but okay. You know, I feel a different way about that. Nganu, potentially late 24. Okay, you know, it is what it is, right? But the fact is we are committing to that. The PFL is going to be making big moves. Now it's about all these changes need to convert to, you know, tickets sold, butts in the seats, butts on the couch watching it, maybe merch moving. I think now it's about how do they execute it with all these new pieces because if they could build a hype, I would say it. If you could give me the fear of missing out, I think that that's the biggest thing you could do to get the Mm -hmm. brand over that Grand Canyon I talked about. Let's talk about a little bit of the bad. Don Davis did not commit to completing the Grand Prix. Right. To me, that breaks my heart for a guy like Alexander Shabli. Won both of his fights is in the final of a Grand Prix and probably heard, hey, man, you're probably going to have to do a tournament to get your million-dollar paycheck, win four more fights. Didn't feel good about that. Leah McCourt locked in for a title fight with Chris Cyborg. I'm going to say it right now. Chris Cyborg is most likely not fighting Leah McCourt. If yeah, Pacheco... But- it, let me tell you something. If Harrison and Pacheco win, 
McCord's fighting someone else next year. Yeah. You want Kayla fighting those two, and you don't want to risk it. I'll just say it right now. You're not going to risk that fight. If Cyborg's winning and your girls are winning, you're making that fight. Leah kind of gets pushed to the side. Now, Leah, maybe she's someone uh, the featherweight tournament probably doesn't like it. That's a negotiation with PFL now. Some of these situations just are what they are. Um, Where do we go from here? What do we do with this? That's on every individual fighter. Like I said, some of the veterans, if they know they could get their two, three fights on cards, probably will step aside out of the tournament. The younger contenders, I kind of like my chances. Let's go. There's a lot of opportunity, but for sure there are some men and women who are working their way up that now things don't sound as optimistic. And that does suck, but I would also point out that is just a consequence of the business. Some things improved for some people, some things did not for some people. What are your thoughts? For sure. There's definitely, you know, all fighters are coming over and then you say, okay, wait a minute, but you don't have all the same division. So the tournament league doesn't have, uh, of course, you said bantamweight. And then on the women's side, they don't have flyweight. Um, so what happens to Alima Malay, Liz Carmouche? Those people I'm thinking about too. Now, I don't know. I'm, again, not following PFL so much <laughs> before um, all this, just the basic U.S. stuff. So I was not watching PFL Europe roster or the Europe roster, but... They seem to have a men's bantamweight division and a female flyweight division. So does that mean potentially the someone like Ali Malay or Liz Carmouche would have to be fighting, you know, in the Europe League only? That's the kind of stuff that, yeah, I'm definitely wondering about. And, you know, as far as Bellator in the U.S., I think you mentioned this earlier, maybe before the podcast started, you know, does that an end? That mean goodbye to the forum, right, for Bellator um, and Hawaii? And do you think PFL will pick that up and say, okay, you know, this is where Bellator used to go. They had great success. I know Don Davis is talking about now being ready to put their foot on the gas pedal as far as building up, you know, live audiences. PFL Hawaii. You know, I'm just thinking out loud here when we talk about someone like Elimale who has done well in those two markets or in the. Um, Hawaii market. Who else out there? You know, we haven't mentioned her, but you know, Kat Zingano looked not great against Cyborg. However, she's still a big name, I think. And so that is probably for her a great thing to now have this opportunity to prove herself against these PFL featherweights. Um, so, but like Sergio Pettis, Patchy Mix. I mean, Patchy Mix is on the big side, right? So maybe he'll be able to move up but what happens to them (laughs) well i mean i think that once again going back to it they get a payday still and like i said build it they will come if you keep winning yeah pfl will probably consider making a bantamweight or you know you just keep getting on these pay-per-view showcases you're still fighting three times a year for good money yeah um in terms of the men and women who are on the bellator side and kind of would be in bellator events Remember, if you're putting on events, the point is still to sell tickets and have people watch. So I do expect that you still actually want those Bellator names Mm -hmm. because fans aren't just going to come for the brand. They want 
you know, bang for their buck, meat on the sandwich, as we talk about. So you do still need these people to headline events in Europe and abroad so fans actually show up. It can't just be like for a freaking closed house 10 people apex. You you know, if you're going to put these shows on, you're going to want, you know, a star like a Shabli or a Cyborg and a Lima and maybe Liz Carmouche. Why? Because you want fans to actually come see the fights. Yeah. And so it can't just be you're going to have a bunch of prelim fighters and sell them as a main event. You're going to still need some substance there. If the point is to sell tickets at the three arena in Dublin or the O2 and these places in London and places like that. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I think that's where you go from there. Once again, Patchy and Johnny, if you build it, they will come. I think they are still going to get a lot of shine. It's just a tournament and a division that is going to be more uncertain. That's all I'm getting at. Okay. Yeah. So what does the future hold? We'll probably find out Friday, but... For right now, that's all we have on Bellator and PFL. Uh, I'm going to speed through the UFC. Brendan Allen looked fantastic against Paul Craig. Really just um fun fight. Uh, the Dominic Cruz mentioned it. The way he neutralized Paul and just kind of kept that pressure so Paul couldn't work his fantastic game from his back for submissions. I thought that was well executed. We know Paul is a very big physical dude and Brendan Allen really met him in the fire and you know, got fist-to-face on him a bunch of times, ground and pound, stayed active, got him, and then submitted Paul Craig, which is a feather in the cap in and of itself. Yeah. Brendan, when I think about it earlier this year, he's like this heavy underdog, goes out there, gets the upset, I think got a short-notice main event, if I'm not mistaken, Um, and then he comes in with this headliner and beats a Paul Craig. I think it's huge. I think that it moves him... It sets him up in a great spot for the middleweight division because as we're transitioning to this new time of Sean Strickland and, you know, Drake is Duplessis at the top of the division, you want some new guys to fill that void and take on the Robert Whitakers and, you know, the Jared Cannoneers of the world. And I think Brendan Allen positioned himself as that guy. What about you? Yeah, it was an impressive win. I mean, I dare say it looked, he made it look like easy work and very surprising to see that especially with you know Paul Craig having the skills that he does so good win for him and you know overshadowed by the news of of PFL and all that stuff but that's that's how it is some weeks but um yeah man nothing else to add it was a it was a strong performance i wanted to shout out Amanda Hibas mm-hmm. the spinning back kick KO Pinedo <laughs> was taking it to her i thought oh man this is going to be back to back bad ones for Amanda and the way she got that one, like freaking, what, she thought she was Vitor Belfort or something. That was crazy, dude. That was a nice one. You see, you know, kind of the Terry Adam, like the arms kind of go limp. And Pinero's like, goes from like the vertical 90 to the zero degree angle. <laughs> Chef's kiss, great win for Amanda. What about you? It was incredible. And like they were, they were all bruised up, all puffy, not quitting. I mean throwing punches that seem like that was the last punch. They don't have any more punches left like that. And then they would dig deeper and they were going back and forth. He was, was pressuring though. And that spinning kick, man, I was, <laughs> I was like, you didn't, I did not expect that. That was a great, great gutty, gritty, you know, 
gutty performance, gutsy, excuse me, performance, and big, big win for her, man. So when you when you're coming from behind, and then you can still, you know, there's it's one thing to come from behind with a haymaker, but like to to do it with technique, that's pretty impressive. <laughs> Yeah, look, uh, awesome win. Then you had guys like Michael Morales, really, you know, exciting young contender moving up to in the co-main event. It was just really good stuff. So UFC did have a good night, but obviously as we were building toward this, Bellator and PFL kind of, like you said, have dominated it. Um, I think there's a little bit of that post-pay-per-view fatigue as well. Um, So yeah, I think as we build up, UFC obviously is set to dominate the last part of the calendar year, but this one was kind of about the auxiliary events in MMA outside of UFC for sure. Um, UFC did make the call in two weeks. Yeah, two weeks. Um, Their event in Shanghai is actually going to take place at the Apex. Um, One of the fights was removed. The road to UFC, which they do when they go abroad and... It's kind of like an extended contender series. It's almost like they do the events intermittently for fighters who are trying to make it to the UFC as international talent. Mm. That's been canceled. Um, Obviously, I'll say this. I think the UFC, I think fan response probably was that like, hey, we're just, you know, it's just too expedited. And I think UFC realized, you know what? We're just not going to get the response we want in Shanghai. And we're just going to bring it to the apex. What about you? Yeah, it is It is a surprising, you know, turn. A surprising admission of, uh, not failure, but like saying, being able to, to publicly say like, all right, this isn't going to be good enough. It's not what we want it to be. We're going to move it. You know, it doesn't look great, honestly, but better to have a mini setback now than a big failure when your event in Shanghai, you know, falls flat. So it's the right move. Just pull the pull rip off the band-aid now before it gets, you know, too stuck to the hairs. <laughs> to your arm hairs, if that makes any sense. Absolutely. <laughs> and personally, um, I mean we kinda saw it with Noche UFC. I feel like there's a great opportunity to have Wei Li and Yan Shunan headline. Yeah. And if uh, I think, look, I, far be for me to say, hey, make them a fight night and like they can't bring value to a pay-per-view and what have you. But I, I genuinely hope so. I, I hope that they can make an event in China. Everything they've gone through kind of, you know, I think there's this great general public trepidation, you know, that you know, the ground zero COVID-19, right? Mm-hmm. To be able to return triumphantly with that kind of event with those two women and, you know, put song on that undercard, put some of our other talent on the undercard, I think that would be awesome. So I would rather they make this call now and build toward that. That would be really great in my opinion. You know what I mean? So oh, yeah. I, I, I'm with you there. I think there's an opportunity to just make it what you wanted it to be. And I actually think the UFC shouldn't take some heat. I think that they, you know, Don Davis say, said this, we try things all the time. Mm-hmm. Sometimes they work, sometimes they don't, and it isn't the best call and we learn from it. I'm with it. Yeah. UFC made a good call. Um, Song and them still fight. 
let's go. Uh, obviously, we've talked about a lot. There is a fight this Friday on Black Friday on pay-per-view, the PFL Championships. I want to say it has like six fights. I think, um, I actually forget. I think Pinedo and Braga actually are going to be a prelim fight. And I think they have uh, Brunson and uh, Kayla on the pay-per-view, which, you know, is what it is. Um, look, uh, we've talked a lot about the card. I've certainly... Um, I like a lot of the the underdogs, Pinedo and Braga, weren't in PFL last year, beating some tough vets to make it to the championship. Obviously, you know, you have familiar faces, Clay Collard, Larissa Pacheco, Sadabusi leading the way as defending champ or not defending champions, but you know, veterans. Olivia Mercier, defending champion in the finals once again. It makes for you know, you have good talent on the card. We could go over a lot of them. It's all championship fights. Um, ladies first, which fight did you want to spotlight for us to really dig into? Sure. Um, oh, wait. Did I have to pick a championship fight? No, or... you didn't have to. Okay, any card, any I fight did. was fine. Yeah. Uh, Return of Kayla Harrison. Would it have been a little more exciting if it was against Julia Budd? Yes. But, and any, honestly, I, I want to see her against anybody. So in this case, it's Aspen Ladd, which is probably an easier opponent which will be a boon for Kayla Harrison. You know she's pissed off about the loss to Larissa Pacheco. She's going to come out very aggressive, not pull any punches. I have a feeling she's going to demolish Aspen Ladd, take her down, pummel her. It'll be over in like the first three minutes. And not just because Kayla Harrison is that great. Aspen Ladd has been, you know, 50-50 for the last couple of years now. That's part of why she's not with the UFC anymore, apart from you know not being able to make weight. I just don't see the fire in her eyes. It's not she's not a killer right now, and not to say she can't be again, but it's just not there. So I'm looking forward to Kayla having a quick dominant victory, and then getting on the mic. Who is she going to call out? Larissa Pacheco, who will be fighting after her. Right, so it'll be before she'll, Kayla's fighting before Luis Pacheco, or will she just call out Chris Cyborg? Because now that's actually a literal possibility. Like she can actually fight her now. What do you think? Who do you think she's gonna call out? <laughs> oh my gosh, I feel like the time is now for Chris Cyborg. Remember, she still leads Pacheco two to one. Yeah. So it's like that's... you know, there's not that she does want it, but it's like you know. Get out of your own way. Strike while the iron is hot mentality. You get exactly. what I mean? Oh, yeah. So I think that if I'm Kayla and I beat Aspen, that's what I would personally do. Um, I'm looking at it. There is one, two, three. It's a seven-fight pay-per-view. So, you know, uh, we're going to talk about the pricing thing before we let it go. But, okay. yeah, the Braga sorry, the Braga Pinedo fight is the only championship on the prelims. Um Low-key a little dirty, but all right, I get it. <laughs> um, but yeah, so it's like, d- to talk about it with Kayla and Aspen, Aspen is very game. And I know she's, you and I talk about this, such a sweet girl. I want to make this clear. Very nice. I've talked to Aspen multiple times. Always been absolutely pleasant. She isn't the most boisterous personality, right? We've talked course, about it yeah. a little bit of a... Opposite RBF resting freshman face. Yeah. This yep. girl is just trying to hike with her dogs and live her life. God bless. 
Um, she is a beast out there. She's got great grappling, very in your face when she's coming after you. This isn't a gimme fight for Kayla Harrison. Now, physicality, I will say, I think Kayla, you almost need them side to side, but I'm pretty sure Kayla is just as big, if not a little bigger than Julia. Um, probably right up there. I've seen them both. I, I would argue that physically right up there with the Chris Cyborg as far as women's featherweights. Aspen, kind of, you know, much better at featherweight, but maybe not quite such a muscular frame. So once again, it is a lot more vital for her to get her offense going, get in Kayla's face, get either on the bike, sticking and moving better, or getting those takedowns early. Make Kayla work off of her back or make Kayla have to try to chase you down. I think those are two things Aspen has to get going early because this was a bit of an abbreviated camp. She gets those things going. Kayla suddenly feels that layoff. Mentally, you start thinking about the loss. All those things, you make those intangibles work in your favor. If Kayla Harrison is getting after Aspen early, it's a three-round fight. Suddenly, this starts to feel like it really favors Kayla Harrison. So I think that makes for a very interesting fight. I think, if I'm not mistaken, they actually have comparable records. Aspen has more fights, but, you know, she doesn't have, like, 50 bajillion fights. I think she's around 20, if I'm not mistaken. Kayla around 13. So it's kind of like, okay, you know, this isn't, even though their ages are different, this isn't this big veteran against a you know, young up-and-comer. They're actually comparable with a lot of the big fight experience that they've had. So that makes this one for a lot of fun. Um, I favor Kayla as well. I think that, um, I feel like Kayla, if if the her opponent brought out like a freaking battle axe, she would still be like, well, this is what I got to get done. I'll go out on my shield still. So <laughs> yeah, I feel like Kayla is a very do or die out there. I think that she wouldn't, personally let herself go i almost feel like she'd let herself get knocked out before she um just kind of rolls over for a second straight loss you know what i mean oh yeah so. yeah I, what do you okay let's go ahead. just say if aspen lad beats kayla harrison right sure shock shock the world do you think she gets um larissa pacheco next or does larissa pacheco if she wins and kayla loses does larissa pacheco get chris cyborg I think if Harrison loses and Pacheco wins, uh, Pacheco Cyborg. Yeah. I think yeah. PFL wants that. Um, in terms of Aspen Pacheco, it starts to be about what does Pacheco do and what does PFL want for Pacheco? Do you, for example, let's say Pacheco and Kayla both lose, hypothetically. <laughs> um, I think that um, you could still do pay-per-view fights, but now it's like, what's your paycheck? Are you still going to be, like, will will PFL honor you as a star and give you a big pay bump or in the current landscape now, are you going to run it back into the tournament? In which case, you know, everyone's up for grabs. So I don't know. I, I, I think that hypothetically, if neither of them were to get cyborg, then Aspen would get Pacheco on a pay-per-view. I feel like that's a big fight, but then they might be like, we need someone to anchor the season so they would just make that fight in the season somewhere. Mm. You get what I mean? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, so. I know that didn't answer your question, but my thing is, I don't know. No, I, I, I think I, I think some things have to happen before we get Pacheco Aspen, to answer your question that way. Yeah. Yeah. 
Um, my fight, uh, I went with the lightweight title, Olivier Aubin Mercier against Clay Collard. What I like about Olivier, he's one of those great examples, kind of like Brendan Lofnain, of how much the PFL has helped some of these veterans. Olivier was not a star in UFC. He was not like a middle of the pack, even like a Michael Chandler. Yeah. Even I think like a, let's say, Sarukian or a Dariush or a Rafael Faziv. I think that's a great one. He wasn't quite that guy in UFC. But he's such a tough guy and a multifaceted guy. And look at the immediate opportunities that he's been able to capitalize on in PFL. First season wins the championship. Second season defending champion in the <laughs> finals. I mean, this is exactly where the PFL shines. It provides opportunities to guys who are in the same boat. And there are a ton of them in UFC who are like Olivier who have a lot of skills that it's just when you're in a shark tank like the UFC and you have so many personalities trying to stand out, a quiet killer like Olivier just kind of gets lost. And look, he had some L's in UFC. It is what it is. Um, but the fact is, you know, the PFL, this is where this, in, this is an environment for him that works. And he's on a great stride. I think he's kind of hitting his his moment in terms of his confidence and all that as the defending champion. I think he's been great this year. And then for Clay Collard, homegrown guy, also ex UFC guy lost, I believe to Max Holloway. And then now he's really just kind of come into his own as the PFL's veteran. Yeah. And he's finally in a championship. And this is kind of, it feels like the moment that we've been building up to for Clay Collard exciting guy had a banger with shane burgos um once again natalie if you didn't see it don't tell me because i'm we're gonna stop being <laughs> friends but look the fact is perfect moment for him to have this fight with olivier mercier um multifaceted it kind of feels like the striker primarily taking on the multifaceted guy who's not necessarily a specialist like i don't see olivier and say he's lights out grappling like habib or he's right. lights out striker like a you know like a Adesanya or someone like that, but Olivier executes and puts together his weapons really well, and that can be just as dangerous against a guy who, when he starts going, is very difficult to stop on the feet in Clay Collard. What are your thoughts? Yeah, man, Olivier is kind of this guy that every time I see him because of his his well groomed mustache, I get a little chuckle, and I remember him pretty well from UFC days. Um, he was always, you know, had a, had a, had a twinkle in his eye and uh, was generally putting on good fights, you know, towards the end there. I don't remember them as well, but early on it was like, oh, yeah, this guy, every time he's on, it's, it's going to be something, something fun. So obviously he's proved himself in PFL. And I love when that happens, when a fighter, when a fighter is in the UFC and they're, they're middle of the pack, they're doing fine, but they're not doing great. And then they move on somewhere else and they're just the man, you know, like Ryan Bader, right? Just moved to Bellator and took over the heavyweight and light heavyweight division. So this is really cool for Olivier Aubon Mercier. But I have been very impressed with Clay Collard in the PFL. His striking is so slick, man. It it when I saw him fight, um, was it Pettis? I can't remember who it was that he just like beat up. Um Totally, yeah, he did totally, that to yeah, man, I, yeah, totally impressed with him. So, I'm I'm looking forward to this matchup. 
I'm picking I'm picking picking Clay Collar here, but um, which would be you know, a, a <laughs> disappointing for the champ, but I, or the previous champ, right? You don't come into these as the champ again, right? You can either reclaim the belt or, or that's it, right? That's that's tournament rules. Exactly. However, I do think you like particularly like a sports team. You have a bit of that clout as defending champion. Yeah, yeah. Right, particularly right. when you get to playoffs and all that, they kind of treat you as the guy to beat. So okay, yeah. So but, and also PFL still puts you close to the top of the cards. Right. So in in any case, uh, yeah, it would be a, a big one for uh, for Collard. I'm picking him, man. I think he's just gonna piece him up. We'll see what happens. You know what my thing about it is. Um, Olivier's ability to execute he's just so well-rounded um and he's just he just puts it together out there and I think that's been his greatest thing I don't know that I look at him and I'm like he's this fast twitch athletic guy on the feet or once again he's good on the ground but I I don't think like oh man he's gonna chew you up and spit you out like the bear with the fish like Habib did but he has both of those weapons and he just gets it done doesn't make too many mistakes, doesn't leave huge openings, and just executes so consistently. I think that's where he's most dangerous. Um, I think that if Collard gets it going early, we have quite the war. I think he forces a guy like Olivier to dig deep. Olivier is a tough guy to hurt and get out of there. That being said, I I just I'm going with Olivier. Okay. I think okay. that he's just got uh I think just the multitude of weapons that he likes to attack with could cause problems for Collard. And I think that simply when you look at who has more weapons, if they execute to their best, you just feel like Olivier's ability to maybe get it to the ground would make that difference. And I think that that's the thing. He could probably get into a banger with Clay, but the fact that you'd have to worry about the grappling, I think leans this one toward Mercier. So Yeah, fair enough. Yeah. But it makes for a fun fight. Like I said, Clay Collard, I think he's another go-out-on-his-sword kind of fighter. Um, I just want to shout out, like I said, it's all title fights, so let's go. You have Sadabusi against Magomed, Magomed Karamov. You have first-time finalist Josh Silvera against Impa Kasanganai. I've already talked a lot about that. I mean, that one is just um Cinderella story for Impa and Josh, but... You know, Impa's the one who kind of has more of this redemption arc. Um, yeah. Larissa and Marina Moknatkina. I mean, Marina obviously having a career year. Larissa's Larissa. Obviously, she wants to show she's still this force at featherweight going into the new year. Goldsoff and Ferreira, I'm not going to lie. The ice has kind of been thrown on this one. Even Don Davis talked about a special rules fight for Nganu and Deontay Wilder. Yeah. Essentially saying... <laughs> They're going to fight MMA just with... They're they're going to box with MMA gloves, it felt like he wanted to say. Yeah. And I'm like, bro. But look, let's be real. Either of these guys, they're both so exciting to watch. Dennis was the points leader at heavyweight. Ferreira's so exciting and a banger and, you know, the battle of the giants, right? It's great. So I think they're going to have a fun fight. Obviously, Ray Cooper's so much fun. Heck Taking yeah. on Derek Brunson. Uh, Biagio Ali Walsh, he's fun to watch. Got another opponent coming up. Bubba Jenkins, Chris Wade, the both of them are obviously veterans. I think they're going to bring it. They also don't like each other. So it's a good card, Natalie. 
It's a good card. I'm going to leave it at this. 50 bucks pay-per-view. PFL could not really do much more to build interest around PFL this week. Mm -hmm. I'm going to just leave it at this. Everything that PFL has done this year, everything that PFL did yesterday, do you think that will make the difference when it comes time to hit that put in your credit card info on Friday night? Oh, boy. Uh... I know how a lot of people feel. I'm going to ask you because... We are also the consumer. What do you think? They're going to get my money. They are because of everything that's happened this week. Yeah. And, and not necessarily like looking at this card. I'm excited about some of these fights and not so interested in others. But I'm going to tune in because I want to see how they frame, how they position themselves with the Bellator um, acquisition. Are the Bellator fighters going to be there? Like, that would be pretty awesome. If oh, I think a, a bunch will be there. Yeah, and it, I'm looking for a spectacle, right? And and so I am going to give them my money, like actual money. Um, whereas a week ago, I don't think I would have. So it worked on me. So I want a few things to happen. I want to see the Bellator fighters there early this week. I want to see Jake Paul there early. I don't want to see him on Friday night. I need to see him Wednesday. That's a good I want to see Nganu on Wednesday. I want to see Deontay Wilder on Wednesday. I think that PFL should go all chips in, make it feel, build up to it all week. Have all these guys that are now under the roster talk about it all week. And I think that that can sway the fans a bit. I'm not saying it's going to do gangbusters, but I think we can hope for an improvement on Friday if they execute all week. That's my biggest thing. Yeah. Um, I, I, I'll say this. Um, I know what it's like on Black Friday. Once again, I know there's a lot of hype for it. I feel like we're going to see an improvement. But once again, I think, unfortunately, the thing about a card like this, it's that fans kind of feel like this is a precursor to the one we actually would spend our money on. Mm. And I think that it's like, oh, well, it's Larissa and Marina. It's like, well, we're going to pay for Larissa Cyborg and Kayla Cyborg and Olivier versus Usman or, you know, Sadabu versus Jason Jackson, things like that. You know what I mean? I think that is my one worry about this. I think that if MMA fans don't pay, it's because they feel like they've now been offered the bigger carrot at the end of it next year. So that's my one thing about it, that. The Black Friday timing always hurts them, but I think it's just about, okay, you know, you got to give people the FOMO, otherwise they're just going to be like, well, the event I'm going to pay for is next year, not this year. And that's where I stand. I didn't think about that. That's uh, that's cold. <laughs> I, I mean, I try to think about it. Why do I pay for things and why do I not? Right, yeah. And, you know, I'll be honest, and some people give me a hard time. I could be a really stingy person. <laughs> I don't even have all those streaming apps all the time. I, I pause my Netflix subscription and I restart it nine months later. Mm-hmm. I let content build up and then I just pay for a month. I don't even That's smart. consistent. Yeah. Yeah. I'm that way with a lot of things. So I think about it for me. What do I need to really get invested? And... I feel like I would be torn on that if I don't get FOMO on Friday. I know it's going to be a good fight, but as a consumer, I feel like that's how I would feel, you know? Yeah, okay. Obviously, I cover this. I get paid to watch it, but that's another story. 
Yeah, so there we are. <laughs> All right. Uh, Natalie, um, you know what? Uh, I want to say, yes, next week, I want to make sure I got my calendar correct. December 2nd, can you believe it? We're already there. Um, UFC Austin, Benil Dariush, Armin Sarukian, and then it's kind of like a double main event. We have a five-rounder, Dan Hooker and Bobby Green. What are your thoughts? Well, um, <laughs> Dan Hooker, Bobby Green, that's actually a pretty good matchup. Uh, that will be a fun fight. Dan Hooker's been like hit or miss lately, but he's always up for a for a barn burner. And Bobby Green has been on a roll, so um, that's fun. It's hard to to shift to back to regular fight nights when we're just this news of PFL is so big. But yeah, good fight. You know, I I just like as a pair of bangers. The card is actually you know pretty decent with action, but I just think that it's like um. I just want those last two fights to get after it. You know what I mean? Yeah. I think that that's the kind of thing that they need. So I think that's how they're going to really bring it. So, but yeah, I just like those last two fights. I really do. I expect, I have high expectations for it. I'll say it like that. Okay. Full arena. Let's go. Um, ladies and gentlemen, we'll be back next week to recap everything. Thank you for joining us for this super stacked episode. Remember, like, comment, subscribe. We'll be back next week.